the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks have one of the best players in baseball. And no, we're not talking about Zach Gallen this time. It's somebody else. Steve Zinsmeister, Alex Weiner on the Ain't No Fang podcast, and we welcome back our good friend Cody hey, Fincher. Hey. What's up, Bear? I'm tired. I know. You had two having, kids having at once. Two kids is hard. Two at once. It's tiring. Shout out to my wife. She's the best. She's the best mom already. Uh I'm tired. How are you dealing with being a father? Have you learned have you figured it all out yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's figured out. A couple months. You got it down? No. Um it's it's a crazy experience, especially like going from zero to kids to two kids. From zero to dad. I think about like, man, this probably would be a lot easier if it was just one, but there's two. <laughs> um, but it's going really good. They're really good babies. They're so cute. They're getting chunky. Oh, man. I'm I'm so happy for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's tiring. Welcome back. You want to talk Thank baseball? You. Let's do it. I, awesome. I've you been, got time to watch I've baseball? Been at, <laughs> you know, honestly, during those feedings, I mean, MLB.tv is one of my saving graces. I'll just I was going to say, you probably and, watched more baseball than I, you ever I has. have watched a lot of baseball, honestly. Well, good. Then we want to get your take on some things that are going on. Let's start with the tease today uh, for the podcast. I feel like he deserves to be the lead, and he has for a couple of weeks. It's Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has just been phenomenal for the past, I don't know, three, four weeks now. I'm looking at just the month of May. He's on base 480, so he's getting on base every other time he's at the plate. He's hitting in the 390s in that time span. He had four hits yesterday. What do the numbers say about Lourdes Gurriel? Uh, he's making a hell of a case for player of the month, that's for <laughs> sure. I mean, 15-game hitting streak, and, and D-Backs Facts had this on Twitter, where in during this hitting streak, 25 for 60, six doubles, seven home runs, just crushing the ball. And, and a big deal with Lourdes and, you know, the power. We talked about what he might look like after last year. He only hit five home runs. He dealt with the handmate. He comes back. The power seems to be back, but also just sort of digging into the identity of this D-backs offense and how he fits in it. He's striking out less. He's putting the ball in play more. And it's just leading to more barrels and more opportunities. And so far, so good for him. It's been a tremendous output. And so now it's just about keeping that going with the rest of the middle of this lineup that has been so successful. I think it means even more bear, too, when you consider the fact that this was one half of the Dalton Varsho trade in the offseason where, yes, Varsho was a good player with the Diamondbacks. They felt that they were going to get a pretty good player in Gurriel, but that the prize piece was really Moreno, who, Mm -hmm. by the way, is hitting 300 and your primary catcher because of the Carson Kelly injury. So he's doing pretty good things, too. But Gurriel has surprised everyone by being the best piece in that trade it so almo- far. It almost felt like when the trade happened, like Guriel was almost like a throw-in player, you know, because he only had, what, a year left on his contract. He, you know, it's an expiring deal. And it almost felt like, well, yeah, we got Moreno, obviously, is the key uh, piece in the whole trade. Well, the whole tra- key, key piece is probably Varsho, but for the D-backs, it was Moreno. And then Gur- like, oh, cool. We also got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He can hit. Cool. He hit 292 last year, whatever it was. 300 hitter usually. Um, not a lot of power, but pff, he's been by far and away the best player of that trade. I don't think Varsho. I haven't really looked at Dalton Varsho's numbers too much, but I don't think he's having that great of a season um, with, with the Blue Jays so far. But I think he's hitting his usual like under 260 with a, cup, with a few home runs. Um, but... Yeah, Guriel has been a pleasant surprise. Um, I want him extended now, please. Uh, <laughs> he's going to make some money. He's, he's yeah, I know, money. and I hope he doesn't have Scott Boris as his agent. Um, now might be the worst time to extend him. 
because yeah. he's at his absolute premium. Right, right, right. I mean, like, if you give this another three or four months, we get to the end of the season, he won't be hitting like this the whole season. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he can – I hope he's back next year um, for this team. I'm already a big Lourdes fan. Um, but, yeah, 15-game hitting streak right now is the longest in uh, the majors active right now. Wow. Um he went four for four yesterday, hit a home run, had a big RBI double late in the game as well. That dude is just see, it's like the like the baseball is a beach ball up there for him right now. He's swinging the bat really well. He has more extra base hits than singles during <laughs> the hit streak. Yeah. He's twenty five of sixty. He's got twelve singles, six doubles, seven home runs. So thirteen extra base hits, fourteen RBIs. He's on on base four ninety three during the hitting streak. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it, I think he's e- easily one of the best hitters in the game of baseball so far this season. Yeah, the numbers definitely back that up. Uh, I mean, just going over like just league leaders, he's right up there in batting average and slugging percentage. I mean, uh, he's hitting three twenty one. This and we're recording this on a Tuesday before they play the Philadelphia Phillies. That's sixth in the league with the WRC plus of one fifty two, and that's I believe in the top twelve or so in the uh, in the entire league. Yeah, it's number twelve. So I mean, again. In the month of May, he's been a, like a dynamite top five hitter in baseball. But throughout this entire season so far, he's up there. And uh, just a little comparison with Dalton, Dalton Varsho, um, just kind of get his numbers up. Offensively, it's not hasn't been there yet. Um, he's still a one-win player, probably primarily because of his defense. I haven't watched every single Blue Jays game this year, but the offensive numbers, <laughs> 81 OPS plus. It's, uh, it's been a down year compared to what he showed the last couple of seasons. And that's kind of to be expected, right? I mean, the Diamondbacks knew what Varsha was. A highly athletic, great defender, versatility position-wise. But the bat was what it was. He was going to give you, I think it was 27 home runs last season. So he had a 30 home run potential, but was going to hit 230 and be on base 290, if not 300, maybe. And so they opted to flip that one player for a high upside catcher who's good offensively and defensively. And then now Gurriel, who we knew was going to have a high average, it was just a matter of whether or not his power was going to come back. It, it's, and it, it did. It's a good <laughs> thing, too, that Moreno and Gurriel have been outstanding on offense because basically the Diamondbacks chose Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy over Dalton Varsho, mm-hmm. and both those guys are in AAA. Right. But with Moreno playing so well already his first year here and Gurriel being your, probably your best offensive player right now, you kind of you can kind of get and obviously Dominic Fletcher has come up and been really really good and Corbin Carroll is still Corbin Carroll. You can almost you you have been able to weather that storm of Alec Thomas not being able to hit very well. Jake McCarthy really struggling early on in the year and both of those guys being sent down to AAA. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabby Moreno have made that you know that choice to send Varsho away more. Um, you know. You can bear that more. By the way, all this said, Lourdes Gurriel is still not the team leader in OPS+. Plus. That belongs to Geraldo Perdomo. Oh, yeah. In war, too. By the way, yeah, Geraldo just, Perdomo has been awesome. Yeah, it's just that Gurriel has about 52 more plate appearances. So he's played more, therefore he's probably a little bit more valuable right. in the long run. Perdomo's but, been the king of runners in scoring position hitting, though. Yeah. And you know what? I pulled up his splits today, anticipating that they would be pretty distinctly different and they're really not i mean he's improved on both sides of the plate which Mm -hmm. is really just as impressive as the way that he's playing as a whole so yeah they've gotten a ton out of those guys by the way dominic fletcher not far behind either of them in ops plus at 145 
that's a player who's not even a starter on your team right now, necessarily. Fletcher? Now he is with once they I think sent he's down established. Alex Thomas. He's playing in center. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Especially with Corbin still getting to 100% after hitting his knee, it's been pretty valuable to have him out there in center. I will say, though, interesting about today's lineup specifically, Fletcher is in there, but against a left handed pitcher, they still have Perdomo starting ahead of uh, Nick Ahmed, which is not something they've done a ton. They've liked to balance those guys out a little bit. So it, it's kind of interesting what Tori is doing now and sort of recognizing okay, the hot hand is Geraldo. Let's give him a few extra at bats today against a left handed starter. Helps that he's a switch hitter as well. I mean, I and I I just wonder how Perdomo playing so well will affect Nick Ahmed and what, how long he's on this team because maybe they need to clear a roster spot later in the season. And if Perdomo is playing so well, do you really need to keep Nick Ahmed around if he's not producing at all? Um, I I just don't know. And especially you have Jordan Lawler waiting in the wings too. So. I mean, obviously, this is the last year of Nick Ahmed's deal. He's making $10 million this year. So if they wait a little bit longer, they won't have to eat as much, I wouldn't think. But um, if they decided to DFA him or something. But I think I don't think they have another shortstop, though. I don't think they do. Because, I mean, like we've talked about roster construction. You've got Longoria doesn't play short. Rivera doesn't play short. Rojas hasn't played short in a while. Neither has Cattell. He's second base. Neither has Cattell. So you really don't have another backup yeah. shortstop so if you be, get rid of Nick Ahmed. You'd be riding it would on Perdomo. It would have to be in, you know, in partnership with bringing up Jordan Lawler. Yeah, that would right. Be the yeah. only situation where you yeah, do such yeah, a, yeah, you're probably right on that. that. So really great things from Lourdes Gurriel. By the way, the rest of the middle of the order has been pretty darn good themselves. Christian Walker currently sitting at a 125 OPS plus. The power is still exactly what we thought it was. 11 home runs. Leads the team in RBIs. Uh, Christian Walker makes all the sense in the world in a cleanup spot. Pinpoint accuracy on hitting cameras with foul balls. He hit a camera. That was weird. You saw that, right? Yes. Yeah, he hit the, he hit the I camera. I also saw him. Zach Gallen hit a... He did his best Randy Johnson impersonation, hitting yeah. a bird. Only two pitchers <laughs> that I'm aware of ever have hit a bird, and they're both Diamondbacks. I don't Although, know what the odds of that are. A, a line drive caught a bird in the Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians yeah. game. Yeah. Yes, Will so it's been a tough, Brennan? It's been a tough uh, week for birds in Major League Baseball <laughs> ballparks. I mean... It's somehow still at Chase Field we have not seen a bird attacked by a ball. I know. I know. The there's, pigeons are there. There's so many birds in Chase Field. Yeah, how did they get there's in? So the roof many. is closed. Uh, somebody tweeted, I don't remember who it was. They've they lived like, there for years, Steve. I saw somebody who tweeted, how many birds have to die before we permanently ban the game of baseball? I was, like, was that a tweet from PETA? I don't know. They would probably Probably something like that. Corbin Carroll has been pretty good. By the way, he's heating up a little bit again, back up to 275 average, 371 on base. Stealing a couple of bases in the last couple yep. of days. Yeah, huge. They've been, you know, it's it's something that the D-backs have been wanting to get more of. At least Mike Hazen said that last week on the show is because they stopped stealing bases primarily after that hot start. They've still been aggressive on the Bates pass, and they're like a perfect team to take advantage of going from first to third. But you're, I mean, we just hadn't seen it a ton. And to see Corbin Carroll, especially because he didn't run a ton when he first got back from the knee injury, now to see that more often, it's just another sign that he's getting closer and closer. And maybe that was a byproduct of sending down mm-hmm. Jake McCarthy two, and Alex Thomas. Two of your faster players yeah. behind Corbin Carroll. Yeah, he, those guys were stealing a lot of bags uh, when they got on base, and they're they're so fast. And yeah, I, I would think that sending those two guys down would affect your stolen base productivity. And they, I don't really... Who else is going to steal bases on this team without the, without those guys? Corbin Carroll. Rojas. Fletcher is... Sneaky. Fletcher is... 
He's not as not fast as, as the fast, other guys. He's not quite there. Rojas, Cam, Perdomo. Perdomo's they, not too yeah, bad. They're not particularly fast right. guys. They just Moreno has a couple. They Moreno just know. does have a they, couple. I mean, that's always been the strength of Dave McKay since he's been on the coaching staff. He's been really good at telling guys, hey, this is when you need to go because this guy has this tick in his delivery, and that's yeah. when you know. So I think having him, because he, he missed a lot of, I think it was last year, after he slipped and fell in the dugout in spring training or something like that. And so having him back on the coaching staff, I think, has really helped the stolen base productivity as well. Base running side note. Did you guys see the clip of Ronald Acuna taking yes. third on a, on a walk? Yes. Yep. That was wild. It was the best. He was like, well, Max Muncy's not looking, so I'm just going to take Max third. Muncy had his entire back turned to the infield. <laughs> I don't know like, why you would ever doing, do that. Bro? And it directly led to a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald Acuna, for many reasons... This among them he's is so the best good. player in baseball he's so, if, right now. If he could just stay healthy for a full season, I know that dude is probably going to win multiple MVPs. I worry he's going to end up like, well, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if you ended up like Ken Griffey Jr., I guess. But I was going <laughs> to say like Ken Griffey Jr. might be the greatest baseball player ever if he never gets injured. The right. That he does. But he's still hit like 600 home runs. So I guess it's not the end of the world. He'd have 700 Right. Thousand home runs. Right, exactly. Uh, Cattell Marte's had a sneaky good season. I, I look at the numbers and I'm like, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, he's got six home runs. That's okay. 19 RBIs, not that great. 277 batting average, 344 on base. Uh, how do we feel about Cattell right now in the middle of this lineup? I I like what I'm seeing from Cattell. I like that he showed up this year it seemed like in better shape than he had in in a couple years previous. A different shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been playing a much better defensive second base as well. Um, and I'm not too worried about the RBIs because he's been hitting leadoff a lot. Um, so that that could you know drive down your run production, but um, I I don't think he's ever gonna be your that that guy he was uh, when he was chasing the batting title and Christian Yelich barely beat him for it. Um, he might not be that guy ever again, but I still think he can be a really good hitter in your lineup. Um, I kind of like how he's been at the top of the order. I still want to see Corbin Carroll up there selfishly eventually, but he's been pretty good where Tori's put him so far. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Cattell. I just, I'm, I'm excited that he's been able to stay healthy so far this year. Knock on wood. Those hamstrings always kind of flare up at some point during the season for Cattell, but um, maybe if he sh- now that he's in a little bit better shape this year, um, he won't have as many injury problems. That's the thing too, because they're not playing center field. Well, yeah, that thumbs up. Looking at the at the plate appearances, Cattell Marte is still far and away their top player in terms of he's getting the most opportunities. I expected them to use him a little bit more sparingly. I expected him to be you know top two or three players in plate appearances, but are they using Cattell Marte too much? No, he's an everyday player, and they're using him at the top of the order. I mean, he's been pretty consistent. Um, you know, Cody's completely right about the health. It's been huge. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been, you know, bigger to try to generate more power from the lower half. This year, he comes a little leaner, a little bit more flexible, and so far, so good defensively. Um, offensively, I, th- I think he's been perfectly fine for what you need out of somebody at the top of the order for them. He hasn't been, like, MVP candidate Cattell Marte, but he has been someone who's been consistent. I mean, he... We're talking right now, he has a 22-game on-base streak, um, which I believe is the third longest in the major leagues. Uh, at least it was entering their game on Monday. But And then during that stretch, he's not even hitting 300. He's just been consistently finding ways to get on base and impact the game, uh, even if he's not dominating. So I, I think he's doing exactly what they needed from him. 
Uh, let's switch to a pitching conversation. Reading from the Twitter account of some guy named Alex Weiner. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's a lame last name. A couple, yeah, <laughs> a couple of days ago, Zach Davies made a start in Double A. Uh, four and two thirds innings, no runs, three hits, seven strikeouts, only the one walk. He threw sixty nine pitches. Um, what's the timeline for Zach Davies that we are aware of, and what might the rotation have to look like for him to come back? Oh, that's a sec. That second question is something. that's the doozy. That's the, that's the, that's the question. Um, the timetable it sort of depends. There's you know whether or not he makes a second rehab start, um, be that in Double A or somewhere. But uh, if he does, then you know his his start was on Saturday, so that would be coming up in a couple of days, and then next week is when it's time to bring him back up. Or if they think he's ready to go, he can get himself up to eighty something pitches. It could be as early as this weekend where he comes back. And then that brings you to the the golden question, which is, which one of the three young starters do you move back down in order to make space for Zach Davies if that's the best way they think they can win baseball games going forward? Uh, that's a really difficult debate that we've been having pretty much for the past month because they've all shown you glimpses of something great, and Tommy Henry was the latest to do so. Terrific outing against the Phillies. Five and two-thirds, two earned runs. And if you guys remember last season, Henry had got off to a great start in his first five starts. His sixth start was against the Phillies, and they rocked him. Mm -hmm. Seven runs in four innings. So, And then he had one more bad start against the Padres, and that ended up leading that led to him coming back down to AAA. So for him to go up against a Phillies team, that's floundering a little bit, but they still have a very dangerous lineup, and really control the tempo the way that he wanted to shows confidence with those pitches. It showed a lot, even if he's, you know, maybe lower on the totem pole, the prospect rankings than fought or Ryan Nelson. So Nelson's going to throw today on Tuesday against the Phillies. He had a very good start against Oakland. It's again, it's like, how quickly do you want to get Davies back? How many more starts do you want to see of the younger guys? And then you kind of have to pose the question, who gives you a better chance to win baseball games? Those three younger guys or Zach Davies? It makes all the sense in the world to me to throw him another start in the minors. Give him another rehab start. What's the worst that can happen? I'd rather be safe than sorry. I'd, I imagine you bring him up and he can't go four innings because of the pitch count or something. And I would have rather they just continued to ramp him up so that there's no stone left unturned. But then the question is, Bear, who goes down? I think, like Alex said, today is a big start for Ryan Nelson. Like yesterday's start was big for Tommy Henry. Um, Ryan Nelson's he's had his moments. He's shown flashes of pitching really well. Um, but then he'll go out there. He gives up a lot of hard contact. He reminds me a little bit of Robbie Ray in the, in the aspect where he, there's a lot of foul balls hit off of Ryan Nelson and it drives up his pitch count and he can't put guys away. And it's, I think it's all about fastball location for Ryan Nelson because he's got a good fastball, but sometimes he just throws it in bad spots. Um, so to me, this is a big start for Ryan Nelson. I, I Like you guys, I'm not sure what their plan is for Zach Davies. Um, I think this team does need that veteran presence, another veteran presence in the rotation because it's been just Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, and, th and three rookies, basically. Um, and and I'm glad that they're giving the young guys a shot. I still would love to see Dre Jameson get another crack at the at the starting in the big leagues, but and I'm sure we'll get 
more glimpses of Dre Jameson too. Um, but I'm glad they brought up Fott to get him his feet wet too. He's pitched way much better than his first two starts, by the way. Um, he's trending the right he, direction. He's he's turned it around a little bit. Um, but I I could see if if Ryan Nelson doesn't have a good start today, I could see I would think he's the favorite to be sent back down to AAA because yeah, Tommy Henry he's had his moments where he struggled as well, but. Like like Alex was saying, the Phil, this Phillies lineup, yeah, they're not hitting very well right now, but they are loaded with talent. Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, who hits just dingers. That's all he does. Cast- Nick Castellanos is like the Reaper. He's hitting almost 300 this year, and Tommy Henry kind of made him look silly in a couple at-bats yesterday. So um, if Ryan Nelson gets knocked around today, I, I would – he would be my pick for who gets sent down when Davies is ready to come back up. Zach Buchanan of The Athletic wrote a piece this week, uh, kind of a behind the scenes of what went wrong with Madison Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks. And if I can summarize it the <laughs> best I can, it's the idea that Madison Bumgarner just never adapted to the coaching and the analytics that were provided to him by the organization. It highlights a lot of specifics about him and Dan Heron, who you will remember as a great pitcher in the major leagues, but Mm -hmm. also is kind of the scouting report developer for the Diamondbacks front office. And Madison Bumgarner notedly did not take those into account. He wanted to do things his way. Uh, He did express some excitement for the hiring of Brent Strom and was originally open to new ideas and he just didn't implement them very well and reverted to what he knows best. And you know what? When you're a guy who's won as many championships as him and had as much success as him early in his career, I can understand that. He just never adapted to what was being told for him to do. And for that reason, I think that they cut bait with him. Yeah, I I, I really think, too, just by reading this piece from Zach Buchanan on The Athletic, um, I really think that they didn't cut bait with him Sooner, just because of the money he was making, they didn't want to eat that much. And now it's was what what twenty seven million dollars this yeah, year, and next somewhere year, somewhere in there, thirty or something. Yeah, and you know they gave him a chance. I I think they were just hoping he would figure it out on his own or whatever it was. Um, obviously he was working with the catchers who have game plans as well. But I mean, just we all know Madison Bumgarner is stubborn, right? Like the dude is an old grizzly bear, like old. I I feel like. I'm only like two years younger than Madison Bumgarner, and he feels like he could be my grandpa. Like <laughs> he just gives that vibe off. Like I'm get off my lawn. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. I'm a World Series hero type. I know what I'm doing. But the the fact he, his stuff declined so quickly after he signed uh, with the Diamondbacks in 2020. The fact that he it just sounds like he was so unwilling to adapt to. I mean. I'm not a huge analytics guy myself, but I know that they're of their importance in baseball. It just sounded like Madison Bumgarner from this article just wasn't having any of it. And the fact that, like, yeah, Dan Heron was a really good pitcher for a long time in this league, and he didn't even want to listen to him at all or work with him at all, or work with the analytics department or any of the coaches. When And, and if you recall, a couple years ago, he did make comments publicly that was basically saying he doesn't like how they're game planning with him and that he they, they I don't it was before Brent Strom got here 
Was that the one where they asked him, like, hey, uh, what's been the key to your success? And he said something kind of cryptic. Yeah. Like, I just stopped listening to the wrong people. Basically. That's what it was. Which basically meant I stopped listening I to stopped, what they were telling me to I do. I stopped paying attention to their game plans because they weren't working for me. Right. And it was in a stretch where he was pitching well. So, I mean, but the fact that, like, he's been so bad since last April. He had a pretty good April last year. Yeah. And then just he just went... Downhill after that, the fact that he was so unreceptive to coaching, to any type of analytics, to working with their what's Dan Heron's actual title like pitching strategist pitching or something, analyst, something whatever like he is, director of game planning for pitchers, whatever he is. Yep. The fact that he didn't even want to work with Dan Heron, I mean, my goodness, Mad Bum, like, did you want what do you think was going to happen? It just sounded like he was they that he thought they were just going to keep him for until his contract expired on the major league roster because I'm Madison Bumgarner. Uh I'm I'm glad they decided to DFA Mad Bum. I mean, they had really no choice. He was pitching so terribly. Yeah. I mean, in 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 how many games? Four starts this year's 0 and 3 with a 10.26 ERA. Yeah. A 2.4 whip. Like goodness gracious, dude. Except some coaching. Alex, big takeaways from the article. Um, not a whole lot more than the Brett Strom comment that he made when he was asked about it when he said some people who've had a lot of success can be, you know, maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but sometimes a little bit um reticent to change. Some I guess something like that. It's just with 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 Bumgarner too, and, and Cody made a lot of great points as far as just accepting what has been given to him. I don't know if it was a lack of I don't think it was a lack of hard work necessarily, but it was just a lack of using the tools that the Diamondbacks had at their disposal to try to do that. And I think Buchanan made a point in there where Bumgarner was would get impatient trying new things if they weren't working right away and go back to the way that he thought that they should work. And look, he had is, is he one? He's one of the greatest postseason pitchers in MLB history. He's already established that, and he's accomplished so much that his legacy is already set. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you when you and, and, and to Strom's point, when you do all of that and you kind of set the standard for yourself, and you're not reaching that standard, you want to get out of it. But if you don't accept other people's help and trying to get out of it, this is what happens. And so for the Diamondbacks. Uh, it, it was a lesson learned. I think Hazen said that he didn't regret signing um, Madison Bumgarner when they did, but that they have to reevaluate how they sign big free agents in the future. And now it's just, look, his money has already been accounted into the budget for this year. So there's no, it shouldn't hamper their ability to go out and make moves at the trade deadline if that's what they want to do. Next year, they just have to plan around it and that's it. And that's going to be the lasting impact of this. Um, so I guess the hope going forward is that just... They continue to learn from some of the moves that they've made in the past and build a more sound structure. I I guess I'm just surprised just reading that from how bad Madison Bumgarner was performing that he didn't want to try and do any new things. I know he's the old stubborn mule that's set in his ways, but like you're so bad. 10.26 ERA this year. In four games, and you didn't even want to maybe try something Dan Heron was trying to throw at you, or another right. coach, or Brent, maybe Brent Strom. I don't know. I don't Mike know Fetters? I, I, it just sounded like he just didn't really want to do anything that had to do with analytics. 
don't know if it was the trying. I think it was sticking to it. Right. That was right, the big problem right. there. Because um, he came into camp a little different. He was in much better physical shape. He was trying calling his own pitches. He was trying new stuff, and it wasn't working. And when things break down, you want to go back to what's comfortable. Right. The fastball didn't have the same bite. The cutter didn't have the same bite. He mm-hmm. would have had to have gone towards working in new pitches, working in your changeup, or trying to go a different route, and it just wasn't working for him and didn't work for the Diamondbacks. So clean split at this point, and uh, that's really all it is. The Diamondbacks are easily one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Really the only teams that come close to that are the Yankees and probably the Astros, 9-1 and one in their last 10. Looking ahead to the schedule... Uh, they're already one game into the Philadelphia series, so they're going to get uh, Matt Strom, one of the more interesting guys in the league, from my opinion. He's been really, really good. It's just that he doesn't go deep into games. It's probably going to be a he's bullpen game. He's like an opener. Game. Yeah. It's, he was, but he's darn he, good he this year. He was starting for a while, but then they got Ranger Suarez back, so yeah. he's back in the bullpen. But yeah, it's probably uh, going to be a bullpen game Suarez today. might be Wednesday's starter yeah. against Zach Gallen. So you got two games against Philadelphia, obviously, like we talked about. A stacked lineup, underperforming. By the way, I saw the numbers on Trey Turner. Not good. He's got more homers and RBIs in the six WBC games than he has in 45 <laughs> games with the Phillies. That's weird. I, I saw a tweet that was so true. Someone tweeted out, isn't it just so Dodgers that they just seemingly didn't want Trey Turner back at all? They didn't even offer him a contract, and now he's just kind of mid with Philly right now and got paid $300 million. So, do- and the, of course, the Dodgers are in first place still. I'm no matter what happens, somehow. they're in first place. He's the level of player where I don't have sense no anything nefarious about that. I think it was just like, we know that we can't No, get I back. know, but it's just so it like just the Dodgers, you know, do Dodger things. Yeah. You know, they let go Corey Seager because they, they have Trey Turner, but then they let go Trey Turner and they're still really good. Stack team. I guess they, they have no, that luxury. And they have they're no gonna starters. Do, they're going to do something at the deadline. Of course they sure. will. They have to. I think uh, Ken Rosenthal said on a show this week, watch out for like a Tim Anderson to the Dodgers. Yeah. Kind of. That would be deal. interesting. Um, yeah, but you're right like with that. the no starters thing, too. They have no starters. Besides, I mean, Kershaw. Kershaw goes down. May yep. goes down. And so, Bueller's been down. But then could bring up guys like Bobby Miller. Yeah. They're, they're kind of where the Diamondbacks are, where yep. it's like, try the rookies, let's see what we have, and they'll yep. have the growing pain. So maybe now's the time for the Diamondbacks to like climb and maybe take they you know, have a division a lead. But the, uh, if, if Freddie Freeman's going to do what he's doing, then it Freddie doesn't Freeman. matter. Yeah, it just it, it's so nice that they have uh, oh, three former MVPs now because they have J.D. Martinez. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't think J.D. never won an MVP. Did he Wait, not did win he? an MVP in Boston? I don't, I don't think he won an MVP. Oh. No, not in... No. I thought he was no, close. No, he didn't win an MVP. I think he got he votes. Have, he might have been a finalist at some point. Maybe votes, that's what sure. it was. Don't okay, they have two former MVPs and probably a finalist. In well, they've got, well, they've got Mookie won an MVP. Freddie. Freddie, and then didn't Kershaw? Kershaw won an MVP. Oh, okay. Yeah. I meant just hitters. Okay, see, when you said three, those Sorry. were the three I thought Sorry. of, and then you said JD, and I was I've like, derailed he derailed this really entire <laughs> portion. JD was fourth in the MVP in 2018, his first year with Boston after the his Diamondback stint. Also, Will Smith is really good. He is good at hitting yes and getting hit in the head with bats by marcelo zuna well there's that um but i mean isn't it exciting though where i'm scoreboard watching guys i know it's may i'm a loser <laughs> but i'm scoreboard watching but it's almost june i, and I, look, I know it's june. almost june and i i'm scoreboard watching i'm looking at the dodgers and saying well if they just lose this game maybe the d-backs can get closer <laughs> to the first. uh the dodgers have a kind of a tough stretch too they're playing atlanta right now i think they played 
Oh, who is their next series? Tampa? Well, Something they, like that. They just played, yes, their next series is uh, in Tampa. In Tampa, where they got a whopping 8,000 fans yesterday. Atlanta, for, Tampa, and then Washington. And then the Yankees, though. Washington. And then the they Yankees. play the Yankees. Washington's been Washington. And the D-backs have <laughs> Philly right now, and they have Boston this weekend. Yeah, that's speaking great, of Boston. That's going to yeah. be a great series. Yeah. So... I mean, it could, you know, the D-backs could gain some ground here. The homestand is Boston, Colorado, Atlanta for the that's D-backs. A, that's a pretty decent homestand. It's pretty good. I mean, Atlanta's so good still. Yeah, but I don't feel great about Atlanta. No, I don't. But then, four so games talented. against Colorado feels okay. Yeah. And, then, and then read the, the six games after that. Oh, boy. Washington, 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 Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. yeah. A little bit of, a little bit of scheduling go. balance. Alex knows how to end the podcast Let's on a go. high note. <laughs> First place, here we come. First place, possible MVP, Lourdes Gurriel. <laughs> start with maybe player of the month first. Okay, we'll start there, and then we'll we'll, we'll see where things go. Maybe but, he'll uh, finish fourth like J.D. Martinez. Yeah, maybe he will. Hey, for my uh, good friends Alex Weiner and Cody Fincher is back on the Ain't No Fang podcast. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.